It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. I'm Providence Journal sports editor Bill Corey, downtown Providence with Bill Koch, Red Sox writer. Bill, how you doing? Bill, I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. Um, not bad after last night's game, by the way. It was quite an exciting game. And mm-hmm. um, highlight, of course, is Mookie Betts in the fourth inning. Uh, works a 13-pitch at-bat and slugs a grand slam. Um, shows some emotion that we haven't seen from Mookie. Uh, must have been electric in the ballpark. It was fantastic. Uh, he had a sellout crowd at Fenway Park, a perfect summer night. And the best player on the Red Sox, for my money, coming through in a moment like that. Uh, Mookie Betts, a 13-pitch at bat against Jay Happ, hits a grand slam in a 6-4 win. Um, probably the best at bat I've seen in person all season, whether it be by a Red Sox player or by an opponent. Um, and it just goes to show, it's another example of what a special player this guy is. I mean, he's... In there battling against J.A. Happ, he's 5-for-31 career against him going into that at bat. Hadn't had much success at all. Uh, he was 0-for-2 on the night. Uh, but just works him and works him and works him, sees every pitch he has, whether it's fastball, change-up slider. Finally gets a, a fastball out over the plate and hits it onto Lansdowne Street. It, it was a fantastic moment. Yeah, I mean, he's just uh, he just doesn't fail to... Uh, to shock you and surprise you all year long. Obviously, defensively, he's he's been great. Uh, he's hitting three fifty something. I want to say three fifty two. Uh, obviously, going uh, to the All Star game and uh, maybe turning into a a leader. I think on this team, you know, maybe that's not really naturally his personality. Uh, but there seems to be kind of a vacuum on this team to, for somebody to step up and be that leader and. Um, uh, you know, I think Mookie fits the bill. Well, you always would prefer if your best player were your leader, um, you know, because your best player can say things that other players can't. You know, it's, it's it's easy for your best player to challenge everybody else. I remember, you know, Bill, you were obviously a Celtics fan growing up in the eighties. Sure. When when you go back to Larry Bird, if Larry Bird is going to put in the extra hour after practice, if he's going to put in the extra running after practice, everyone else is going to fall in line because that is the guy and he is doing it. Mm. Um, if Mookie Betts is going to show emotion or if he's going to take extra hitting or you know, maybe pass up a day off and, and play an extra game, you know, day game after a night game in the heat, something like that, everyone else is going to snap into line. So when he is showing that sort of emotion, uh, the hope is that other players will follow him. So I, I take that as a really, really good development to see something like that. Uh, sure. And, uh, you know, obviously the Red Sox are the beneficiaries of, of that 66-29, um, and 29, still the best record in baseball, three and a half games up on the Yankees uh, heading uh, into the All-Star break here. Uh, another, uh, I, I guess, um, uh, encouraging sign was, although, uh, you know, 
look, to, to put it in perspective, it wasn't his greatest outing, but David Price didn't look bad last night. No, it was better from David Price. Uh, you know, like you said, perspective. It was not against an elite team. It wasn't a road game. It wasn't a postseason game. Those are the spots where typically he's struggled. Uh, but you're looking for incremental progress here after his last two outings. Right. Uh, he got blasted no, against the Yankees. You'll and take it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> against Kansas City was just odd, hitting three batters in one inning, not getting out of the fifth. Um, what I liked to see out of David Price last night was he threw 36 changeups in the game, which was a season high. And I think if you're David Price, your fastball is not getting up over 94, 95 it's very not much the, it's anymore. It's not the David Price that we remember from four or five years ago. It's not the David Price they signed. Right. Let's be honest about it. Um so it's important for him to try to find other ways to get hitters out, whether that be throwing more change-ups, whether that be you know, pitching backwards, so to speak, you know, throwing fastballs and off-speed counts and off-speed pitches and fastball counts, uh, you know, pitching to the scouting report a little more closely. He can't leave a fastball out over the plate at this point. You saw that in the first inning. He was trying to go away from Teoscar Hernandez. It was 93 out over the middle and Teoscar Hernandez hit it into the sixth row of the bleachers. <laughs> if that's 97, he might swing through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the difference at this point for David Price. When he was 25, 26-year-old David Price in Tampa, he could throw that pitch and miss with it. It's 98. Right. Teoscar Hernandez is going to swing and miss. Uh, but at this point, it feels like every mistake that he makes is going to get punished. And I think it's really important for him in these, quote-unquote, not-as-important starts. You know, the ones against Tampa and the one against Detroit that he's going to make the first game out of the break. Right, which will be most of the starts for the remaining of, remainder of the year until you face the Yankees again. Right. He needs to find a, a way of pitching, a consistent way of getting people out and getting deep into the game in these starts that he might be able to apply in those more pressure situations. Right. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, we were watching Bartolo Colon pitch uh, just a few nights ago for the, the Rangers. The ageless Bartolo ageless. Colon. And, and, you know, you and I are both old enough to remember him pitching uh, for the uh, for the Indians in the 90s. Oh, and, wow. And, yeah. and he was, you know, classic power pitcher who could make those mistakes and still get it by you. Bartolo uh, Colon, for, for some folks who don't remember, Bartolo Colon was the type of guy when he came up in 1997, he would throw a fastball and then look at the radar gun. <laughs> because right. he was throwing that hard. Right. You know, everything right. was 100 miles an hour or, or close to it. He, he had that kind of stuff. But he has sort of remade himself, obviously. He's not throwing that same kind of stuff now, and he's 45, 44, or something like that. Uh, so. And has still been a serviceable uh, major league pitcher. I mean, we, we thought that he was done several years ago, and he's still hanging on. And the point here is obviously somebody who was able to kind of remake himself as a pitcher, not relying on the same just pure heat that he had earlier and you know this is something that Price is probably going to have to work his way through here. Yeah, Cologne is not anyone's idea of an elite starter at this point. He is serviceable sure. in a way um, and I think a lot of that with Price, the criticism goes back to the contract, certainly. Uh, the fact that he's being paid an average of $31 million a year for seven years uh, but you're not going to see an ace at this point. You're just not. No, and he doesn't it, have it. It's hard, to, it's hard to come to terms with that because of the contract, as you mentioned right. and, and you're trying to think of this guy as more of a, you know, he. you'd like to think of him as more of a 1A or a 2, but he just hasn't been that, and I don't know if he will. No, he's not going to be your number one starter. That's Chris Sale. Yeah. Uh, and he might not be consistently your number two starter. Um, but you, he's also not going anywhere either. You're not trading him. You're not releasing him. You're not eating the contract. You don't think he's going to opt out? 
Uh, good question. <laughs> at the end of the year, that's a lot of money to walk away from. He's certainly not going to get $128 million. Yeah, no, it would be, it'd be shocking over if he four did. years yeah, anywhere else. It would be shocking. Um, you know, unless he really does hate Boston that much. I, I, you know, that's a serious decision to make. And obviously, that will come in time. We can't right. talk about You'd that. You'd have to now. hate Boston and hate money, I guess, <laughs> to <laughs> opt out, I guess. And, and probably hate your agent, because right. your agent would say, David, don't do this. Right. David, don't do this. This right. is my 3% too. You know, you, you don't want to do this. I, I can't negotiate you a better deal than this on the open market, not when you're 33 years old and, and you know, theoretically, you could fail physical right. because of your unique elbow. That's right. Uh, and his mild carpal tunnel, of course. Uh, that's right. Um, so, uh, speaking of pitching, and you mentioned Chris Sale, so he is, obviously he's been fantastic, uh, but his workload has been uh, lighter this year, and so far, looks like it's it'll be, uh, it's it's paying dividends. Of course, the true test is, what's he going to look like in uh, September? But so far, so good, I would say. Yeah, the idea coming in that Alex Cora had was to try and conserve Chris Sale right from the start. Um, And I did a little bit of a deep dive into this for Friday's edition of the Journal, which you can find online, ProvidenceJournal.com, or at your local newsstands, if we still have local newsstands. Very good. We have have newsstands. We We don't have as many boxes, but the the newsstands are still going strong. the look was, at the end of last season, Chris Sale didn't reach 100 pitches in three of his last four starts. And the thinking was, we'll try to save him for the playoffs. Well, he struggled against Houston. He had two appearances. He gave up nine earned runs in nine and two-thirds innings. And the thinking from Alex Cora and, and his staff, Dana Levangie, the pitching coach, and uh, Brian Bannister, the assistant pitching coach, was maybe let's start conserving him from the beginning of the season. Right. Let's not wait until September. Uh, and you see what they've done. Through 20 starts this year, he's thrown 12 and a third fewer innings. He's thrown 171 less pitches this season. That's pretty remarkable. That's which which is a considerable amount. Yeah. Um, you, you I mean, also, that's, that's two full games, basically. You, right. And you, you also look back at last season. Um, he threw 100 or more pitches in his first nine starts and 23 of his first 25. This season, he's been held under 100 pitches in five of his first seven and eight of his first 20. They've been much more conservative with him. And so if you're looking in terms of those innings in August and in September and then into the postseason where you really, really need him, that effort has already begun to to try and save his bullets, for lack of a better term. And I I think it was a a very conscious decision by Alex Cora. It's something that they planned out well in advance in spring training. It's something that they communicated to Chris Sale very early on that this is what they wanted to do. Um, And I give credit to the staff and to the player for being consistent consistent in executing this plan over the course of 20 starts into the All-Star break. Well, it's it's tricky because, um, a- as you know, it looks like it's just going to come right down to the wire between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So it's not as though the Red Sox can sort of take the foot off the gas, so to speak. I mean, it's going to be important for either team to win that division. No, nobody wants to become the wild card. One of those teams will be. Um, so it's not as though we can just say, well, you know, Sale can sit these next few games out because he's got to get out there and pitch. But the way they've been handling it, I think, has been great, uh, l- limiting his pitch counts, um, you know, try and sneak in some rest when they can. Uh, but they're doing this in in the heat of a pennant race. 
and uh, one that looks like it's going to go right down to the last weekend of the ser- of the season. Well, and if you look at, at what he's done over his last seven starts, uh, he's pitched to a .94 ERA, uh, 78 strikeouts in just 48 innings. He's only given up 27 hits. Hmm. Uh, he's got a two two three ERA going into the break. That's the lowest of his career. He's striking out 13.1 batters per nine innings, which is the most in his career. So the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. The success is certainly there in terms of, of his numbers. Uh, and with the way that they have conserved him, with the way that they haven't sort of taken tread off his tire early here, there's no reason to think he's not going to be able to do this into August and September. Uh, and, you know, the other development that we saw this week was the news about Dustin Pedroia. Um, and it looks like there's a real question mark as to whether he's going to play again this season. Uh, you know, everyone hopes that, that he'll he'll be back. But uh, what's your take on it? I mean, it doesn't look like he'll be back. Or if he will, it may, it may not be uh, for a while. Well, it was the first time that we heard either Dustin Pedroia or Alex Cora speak in future terms. Not in 2018 terms. Right. And for me, that's a significant shift in tone. Uh, and a concerning one, if, if you're a Red Sox fan. You know, not because of what he could do for this team right now. Uh, I always thought that if he just came back in September and played into the postseason, that would be fine. He's still probably your best defensive second baseman. Uh, but they are 66-29 and 29 without him. Right. So... The argument could be made how much have they really missed him, whether it be with Brock Holt or Eduardo Nunez at, at second base. Uh, you know, The concern now, though, is the last three years of the contract. He signed through 2021 in excess of $30 million total. Uh, and with a team that is up against the luxury tax as it is, that second threshold, which if you go over would cost you draft picks, uh, that's a lot of quote-unquote dead money sure. if Dustin Pedroia is unable to get back on the field. So it is in their interest to have him do everything he can to get himself healthy. He's going to Arizona uh, today, actually, as we tape this on Friday. Uh, He's going to get specific one-on-one help there, uh, which the Red Sox training staff might not have been able to give him. Uh, You know, like he said the other day when he spoke in the clubhouse, they're preparing 25 guys to play in a game. They're not just preparing for Dustin Pedroia to come back. They're in the middle of a season. So he needs to go out there and address his own needs at this point and, and maybe you know try to find his own way back whether that's this season or in 2019 you know and, and uh, I agree with you I think um, they have suffered defensively without him in the field or without 100% Dustin Pedroia yes. in the field but offensively you know they haven't been I think I, I ran the numbers a couple of days ago I, I think between um Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt, they're hitting, I think, something like 270 between them. Um, so they're sort of holding up their their own um, uh, with with the Pedroia's absence, but uh, certainly uh, defensively, uh, there, there has been a difference. Well, and if you look back at last season, you know, whether Pedroia was, was hurt and struggling, obviously, he only played 105 games. He had a 760 OPS. He's only had a lower number than that one other time in his career. That was in 2014, over the course of a full season. So you could look and say he was playing hurt or he was a player in decline if you want to be more cynical about it. Right. Um, you know, and, and realistically, how much was he really helping them right. last season? How much could he really help them this season? That, that's a worthwhile debate that, that we could have. And you know, like I said earlier, the record speaks for itself. You're, you're almost 40 games over 500. How much have you really missed him? How much better could you really be? Are we, are we talking a 70-win no, team at this point? Yeah, I mean, they're, it's... They're, they're at sort of historic levels here with how many games they are over 500. And, uh, 
you know, it kind of, for those of us who are old enough to remember uh, the 78 team, and I bring this up because I'm reading our colleague's fantastic book, 1978, by Bill Reynolds. Oh, very good. Um, you know, uh, it's it's it was a season that many people thought, well, the Red Sox are just going to run away with it, and obviously that, that didn't happen. Uh, but this is sort of, uh, this is the level they're playing up to this year without Dustin Pedroia. I think the other thing that this has allowed is, you know, Dustin Pedroia, whether he is still an elite player, still an all-star, that's a separate debate. But what he is is a big personality in that clubhouse. And, you know, the sort of guy who would be handled a certain way by Alex Cora, whether that means if he's healthy and playing every day, he's hitting in a certain spot in the lineup. Uh, We've seen Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi and J.D. Martinez sort of take ownership of those first three spots in the lineup and and the results you can't really argue with. Would it have been the same if Dustin Pedroia was playing from the start and hitting second and Benintendi was hitting sixth or seventh? Would this offense be different in that way? And and I think his absence has sort of allowed the Red Sox to figure out who they're going to be after he's gone or or while his influence is on the wane here. And I I think that's been very important coming out of this as well. It certainly has been, you know, and uh, he may be gone sooner than sooner than people uh, think. Um, uh, So the Red Sox have got uh, three more games until the break. And and they they need it. They need the break. And they're a bit shorthanded here. Pedroia is not the only guy, uh, you know, who is missing. Rafael Devers goes on the DL with left shoulder inflammation. Uh, That happened on Thursday. Uh, That dates back to a June game in Seattle where he was at first base. Brock Holt hit a line drive to first. Devers dove back into the bag, and you could see on the replay, which we found last night online, he sort of grimaced a little bit and and hunched down onto his hands and knees in the dirt, took an extra second to push himself up, and it was something that he's been playing through for a little while. Uh, Today, on Friday, they placed Andrew Benintendi on the bereavement list. Uh, Not really certain what happened there. It's it's obviously some sort of family issue that I'm sure we'll find out up at the ballpark a a little later today. Um, you know, so they are a bit shorthanded uh, here going into the last three games before the break, and you know, in that respect, the break probably comes at a perfect time for them. Uh, also tonight, we've got Drew, Drew Pomerantz, I believe, tonight yes. pitching down yes. in, uh, down Correct. in uh, uh, McCoy Stadium. Um, so I wonder if if uh, this is his last rehab start. It, it almost seems like uh, they're waiting for him to throw a really good game down there. Um, What's your take on it? Uh, well, Alex Carr announced his rotation coming out of the break uh, on Thursday. said David Price will start the first game in Detroit on Friday. Chris Sale will start that Sunday, which will give him a nice long rest right. no matter how much he works at the All-Star game on Tuesday. The Saturday game he left to be determined, uh, which means it could be Brian Johnson if he's activated off the disabled list. Uh, he, he's, they haven't named a starter for Sunday yet against Toronto. Uh, so theoretically, that could be Brian Johnson. That could be Hector Velasquez. Or they could be holding it open for Drew Pomerantz. It sort, sort of depends what happens tonight, I think. And and I'm sure that, that that would be their preference, to have Drew Pomerantz back with them. Uh, they feel like he's healthy. They feel like he, he's trying to sort through his mechanics at this point. And, you know, realistically, if, if you get the good version of Drew Pomerantz who you had for the last 25 starts last year, you can't tell me this won't be a better team oh, of course. with him no, in it. No, you would take that in a heartbeat. I mean, he really was solid last year. I think we talked about this uh, last week. You know, his... Uh, 
his uh, his walk year is coming a year too late for uh, for, for Pomerantz. If he if he came off that season that he had last year and then hit free agency, I think that uh, you know he'd be commanding uh, some some pretty good money. Um, with the All Star game coming up on Tuesday, uh, Red Sox have five representatives there. Um, almost had six. I, I guess Ben Intendi finished second in the so-called final vote. Uh, but it was still a very impressive um, representation of, of, of the Red Sox. Mitch Moreland, I guess, was a little bit of a surprise to me. I know that they were lobbying for him, but uh, you know, good for him that he got there. But really no surprise anywhere else, I don't think. No, uh, J.D. Martinez and, and Mookie Betts were leading their respective voting pretty much from the start here. Uh, you know, Chris Sale obviously was going to go. Uh, Craig Kimbrell has had a very good first half of the season. Uh, has been particularly effective lately, you know, recording a, a couple four-out saves here and being used in the eighth inning. That That's certainly a good sign going forward. It's uh, always been a sort of a bugaboo for him, but uh, so far, uh, or at least lately, it's, he has looked good doing that. No, that's, that's a good thing. Thing. Uh, you know, right now he's he's not quite as dominant as he was last year. I mean, he struck out half the batters he faced last season, which is just right. a, a standard that you know, no pitcher is going to reach for two years in a row. But but he's been very effective. Uh, you know, averaging thirteen and a half strikeouts per nine. I, I think he's done a good job at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, and Mitch Moreland obviously is is a great story. Thirty two year old making his first All Star game appearance. Uh, someone who stepped right in when they designated Hanley Ramirez for assignment and has had a pretty good first half. He's got an eight sixty four OPS still to this point. Uh, you look at the games that they played in May in particular after they made that decision and then into June. He was red hot for a stretch there. Uh, In the Houston series, particularly the Sunday night game, he had a two-run homer off Charlie Morton in the first inning of that game that kind of set the tone for the Red Sox to split that series. And and at the time, I think that was a really important win for them considering that they they had lost the first two games in Houston and, and didn't look good doing it. Um, you know, so I, I think Moreland, you know, it, it's a just reward for him, whether it be for the season or for his career. He's a consummate pro, popular guy in that clubhouse, well-liked by his teammates, and I think that was a very popular selection when it was announced. Uh, so uh, you will be there for the All-Star game this year. Uh, the Home Run Derby is Monday night, I guess. And there are, there won't be any Red Sox in that, I don't think. No, right? no Red Sox in the Derby, which right. <laughs> there's there's uh, all sorts of debate whether or not the Derby ruins your second half right. or whether or not that's a bunch of hogwash. Well, it cooled off Aaron Judge for a little while. Uh, cooled then, off Aaron Judge. It right. cooled off Bobby Abreu right. a few years ago. Uh, you know, some other guys have been just fine out of it. Yep. But, uh, you know, for me, I would say if I was a player... I'd want to just go and, and enjoy the spectacle of it and, and maybe enjoy a couple of days off and rub elbows with the other elite players in the league. I, I don't necessarily need to go out there and, and ramp it up on a Monday night and take 100 extra swings. I, I think I'd be just fine. <laughs> no, I, it is. Uh, I agree with you. Although, I, you know, it's it's fun to watch. For me, it's always been kind of fun to watch the Home Run Derby. I mean, I, I get it that a lot of guys don't want to do it because it could uh, mess up your swing. But, um, you know, it's it's nice just to see them unload and see some of these bombs that some of these guys can hit, which is really impressive. And, and we'll still see plenty of them. That's right. It's a plenty capable field. Uh, obviously, the, the home favorite will be Bryce Harper. Sure. And uh, as we saw in the Red Sox series at Washington last week, the home run he hit off Joe Kelly <laughs> would qualify in <laughs> any home going. run derby. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, he, he obviously will be the favorite of the fans there sure. uh, you know, and, and could very well win it. Uh, now, they haven't announced the starting pitchers yet. Um, 
uh, I guess Chris Sale's in the mix. Um, I mean, do you think that's a big deal for Chris? He's 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 already pitched uh, or st- started two All Star games, I believe. Yeah, it would be his third in a row. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously he's in the mix with you know whether it be Luis Severino is right. probably the other guy yeah. uh, who you would hear most often. Uh, Chris Sale actually spoke at length about that after his start the other night. Uh, and he said, I think if you turn up your nose at an all-star game, you've got something wrong. I'm, appre- <laughs> I'm appreciative just going. Sure. I've obviously been there a couple times before, but they're all special. Uh, he said, I know one day I'll look back on all this and appreciate it if I start. If I don't start, if I make it, if I don't make it, I'm not too worried about that. It, it was a very typical, grounded, humble Chris Sale answer. Um, this is his seventh straight all-star game, um, which... You you just go back and and you look at his numbers starting in Chicago and continuing into Boston. Very impressive. He he really has been. Durable and reliable. And yeah, absolutely. He he has been one of the most dominant pitchers over that time. Um, Of course he wants to start a third straight All-Star game. He's a competitor. (laughs) You you don't get to be as good as Chris Sale without being a hyper-competitive guy. You saw the other night. In the sixth inning of that game, it was a 4-2 win over the Rangers. Uh, you know, he's screaming in his glove in the sixth inning after he starts a double play right. and the sixth. We ask him after the game, Chris, uh, you know, what were you saying in that self-conversation? And he says, I can't tell you guys because my mom watches this, and I don't want her to hear those words. Uh, you know, so of course he wants to start the game. Uh, but if he doesn't, it won't be the end of the world. He'll, he'll go out, he'll throw his one inning, probably in the third behind Severino, and he'll come back to Boston well-rested and ready to go for the second half. Well, speaking of being well-rested and ready to go, let's hope that that's what you will be next week when we get together for our uh, weekly podcast. We'll reset uh, the first half and take a look at the second half um, after your trip to Washington, D.C. I would think that uh, you want to keep some uh, cold liquids available with you. Uh, I haven't. I haven't seen the. I haven't looked at the forecast, but I'm guessing it's going to be hot. Uh, I'm afraid to look after the last trip <laughs> right. when it was 90 plus every day. Uh, I'm hoping something moderate, like it is outside in lovely Providence Beautiful today. Today, sure. Uh, you know this is very good. And then you know, next week, obviously, the Red Sox will start the break with a six game road trip. They'll be at Detroit. I will not be there. I'll be picking up with them in Baltimore on the Monday. Uh, so we will have the Twin Bills next week, and maybe we'll preview the woeful Orioles and see whether or oh, not boy. Manny Machado is still a it's member still a, of the yeah, Orioles. Yeah, that'll point. be interesting. Yeah, definitely. The woeful Orioles. Yeah, that's Corey. right. That's right. Yeah. Well, we can never get enough Buckshow Walter talk so, <laughs> on the podcast, especially so. <laughs> especially when he's miserable, Buck and losing, <laughs> right. and forty games out of first place. It's ridiculous. Thirty nine. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I think uh, so. Their record here, and I just looked at the standings earlier, is uh, twenty six and sixty eight. And the thirty-nine and a half games behind the Red Sox, so they're, they're not pull, they're not pulling the the seventy-eight Yankees this year, I don't think, and coming back. So. What you mean they they can't win sixty in a row and finish like eighty-six and sixty-eight? Oh, anyway, and you know it's uh, I'm sure you've been you've been to Camden Yards. It's one of my favorite parks. It's it's a great beautiful. It's a great take. It's a you know great area, and it's just too bad the, the Orioles stink so bad because it's you know to me it's always a baseball town, but. And you know? they, have, they have great tradition. I mean, when you go to Camden Yards and you go into the press box there, there are uh, photos adorning the walls on, on either side of the, the hallway 
that you walk into the press box, you're reminded of the great, great players yeah. the Orioles have had sure. in their history from the 60s on, whether it's Jim Palmer or Paul Blair Eddie or Murray. Cal Ripken or Eddie Murray. Yeah. I, I mean, great, great players. And to see them in such a state of disrepair at this point, it, it really is a shame. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of teams sort of maybe not quite that bad, but sort of in a similar boat this year. Just not as many really strong competitive teams. Uh, you know, certainly he's helped out the Red Sox and the Yankees, but um, you know a lot of teams that are scuffling either at or just below or just above five hundred. So. Thankfully, I don't have to cover one of those teams, <laughs> right? Not this year, anyway. Right? No. Uh, well, with that, we will uh, wrap up our latest Twin Bills. Uh, we will uh, be back at it a week from now. And Bill, enjoy Washington D.C. Thanks, Bill. Pleasure.